This is the Home Health Revealed podcast. Hear stories from real industry leaders discussing topics affecting the ever-changing home health industry. Hey, welcome to Home Health Revealed podcast. I am your host, Mike Greenlee, and like always, I have my co-host, Hannah Vale. Hannah, what's up? Hey, I am doing great. How are you? Well, I'm fantastic. Good. We got a great show today. We sure do. Yeah, and today's show, um, before we actually before we get to the show, we've got uh, some conferences that we're headed to. Yes, yes, we do. And I just got back from a conference. You got back from the Arizona conference. Yeah, and it was really great. And um, I survived my first haboob. I had never even heard that term. They had, their phones started going off like we would. We're in the Midwest, we're in Missouri. So, you know, our phones go off when we have tornado watches or tornado warnings. That's what it sounded like. And I just kind of looked around like, do you guys have tornadoes? And they're like, no, 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 the haboob is coming, which is a, <laughs> which is a sandstorm, like a dust, dirt wall that comes through. And I mean, I grew up in Northeast Ohio, so I've been in snowstorms that completely like take away your visibility. You can't drive in them. And this is like that, but it's with dirt. Yeah, I've, dust. Seen, it, I've seen it on movies. Yeah, it, w- it was crazy, but really cool. You would not want to be driving in it for sure. Luckily, I was not, but I did get to see it, and it was a cool experience, I guess. I bet the uh, car washing business made a lot of money. Oh, gosh, day. yeah. No kidding. And then we're going to Florida. We leave for, I leave for Florida to uh, on Saturday for the Florida conference, and then I, I get back Sunday, and I fly back out to the uh, Vegas for the financial conference. To the Vegas. Yeah, so we've got a lot of stuff coming up, actually. Florida's always a good conference. I really like the Florida people. Kind of sad I'm not getting to go to that one, but I'll have to say hello to everybody for me and really like Patty and all of her team. They just do a great job. So. They do do a good job. I'm not a big fan of Vegas, though. No. No, I'm not a big gambler. <laughs> I'm not either. You know what? I So I uh, have a math background, math and communication arts, and I was a teacher. So in one of our classes, we had to do a study on slot machines and f- do a statistical analysis on all of it. You're teaching kids how to gamble. Well, yeah, basically. They probably did it so we would pay attention. This was my class that I was in in college. Oh. That we had to run statistics. And so, you know, it's very unlikely that you are going to make it big in Vegas. They're making the money. You know that obviously because there are these huge buildings and whatever. Okay. So my husband and I go and I'm like a nervous wreck. I don't like to gamble. I don't like that kind of risk. Give me some real like outdoorsy kind of risk. That's my kind, not the kind on the slots, but I put in this nickel. It was a nickel slot machine and I had gotten myself like $20 worth of nickels. And that was about all because I was like, I can give 20 bucks and I'm just going to think about it. Like I'm playing video games and I'm paying 20 bucks for this experience. <laughs> You're laughing because this well, is you, so you probably went to the window and cashed in. You're like, I'll take this $20, please. <laughs> well, I put, I put my nickel in, I pull the lever, two nickels come out. I'm like, statistically, I have doubled my money. Like I'm feeling really good about my 10 cents. My husband goes, just keep throwing them in. Like, that's the fun of it. And I'm like, no, no, no. I doubled my money. I'm good. The next person comes in, puts in their nickel and hits the jackpot. And it just like runs and runs like thousands of dollars. And he was like, man, like that could have been you. You know, we also have uh, a webinar coming up on the uh, new proposed rule. We do. We do on July 28th. So if you're listening to this before that, you can jump on the webinar if for some reason you're listening after that, um, reach out to me and I can probably get you a copy. All things going well with technology, we will have that for you after it too. 
Yeah, they can just jump on the website too and sign up. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. So just go to www.healthrevpartners.com. Um, I don't have the forward slash, so I'll have to add that in the notes. Okay, perfect. Well, today um, we're, we're gonna we're gonna break down three topics that I think are really really important. One is changing the mindset on time and time management. Uh, the second thing we want to talk about is choosing the right coding company. And the third thing that we're going to cover today is how to regain control over your collections. All good topics. All great topics. Now, the one that I always like talking about is time management, right? So we always talk about how do you manage your time. So I had to use the Google and I had to, I had to look up what's the definition of time management. Okay. So it's the process of organizing and planning on how to divide your time between different activities. Now, your time management skills are uh, about putting stuff on a notepad. I, I love to do things by hand. That's true. This is the first job that I've had that I had to keep things electronically. And I'll be honest, when I write things down, I remember it better. I process it differently. Well, and they say that the highest achievers manage their time exceptionally well. But what if I told you time was created actually to protect you? How so? What if I said that was its sole purpose? The sole purpose of time is to protect you. Okay, I'm following. I'm just saying, what if you thought of it that way? Okay. So, I mean, it could be debatable, right? You Absolutely. say, well, is that really why time exists? But you all, we all know that if we, we couldn't absorb if we knew, like, what, what was going to happen to us, Right. Right. At if, one time, right? We if could, you could control time or stop time, where would where would you stop it? Ooh, probably anytime hanging with the kids, right? Because they grow up so fast. Yeah. At what age? Oh man, probably all of them. <laughs> you know, they, you don't you don't really like them at two. You don't really. Oh my like gosh, them that's my favorite. No, eighteen to thirty six months. That's like that's definitely my jam. don't like them at sixteen. Oh, see, in middle school, I love like age fourteen. No, I, you, you like them all the time, right? Kind of. I do, but I do have favorites. That's where I would stop. But that, that's where I'd You're stop. Time. I'd stop them with the kids. Okay. You know, hang out with them more, play a little more wiffle ball. Yeah. You know. But but we all can agree, right? You can't you can't control time, and so you right. can't stop time. So the question we really need to ask ourselves is, how can we use the time to better our lives, and how do we teach others to do it? Because there's one thing about when, um, from a leadership perspective, mm -hmm. one of the hardest things is, is if an employee cannot manage their time, they can get a lot of stress, right? Yeah. And, and so I, I had to look up that if you have lack of time management skills, what does that cause, right? And so it, it talks about stress, anxiety, sleep issues. I don't sleep very good. Do you sleep good? Yeah, I'm a solid sleeper. And Whitney does too. I mean, she hits her head on the pillow and she's out. Yep. I'm either on or off. There's no in between. Yeah. Can't do that. It causes depression. Now, you yeah. take those four things, you're automatically angry, right? Yes. And there's other, you know, mental health issues that it can cause. But in the workplace, without you really even doing anything, it can cause burnout. Dissatisfaction, lack of sense of accomplishment. Because you get to the end of your day and you think, what did I do? Yeah, I mean, if you just stop and go to a fast food food restaurant line, you know how impatient we are? Yeah, I am, I know. Yeah. We want but, fast. But the other thing is leaders, what we got to think about when we're looking at, you know, this whole time management 
definition and how do you manage it or how do you control it? The other thing that we tend to forget is that, you know, with employees, they also have lives outside of work. Do they though? <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah. They you know, do. they got kids and, and if mm-hmm. the kids are playing sports, they got the sports and they got games and practices. And nowadays every kid is like in a, uh, a club, right? So then they got personal lessons and all this stuff after that. So they're driving all over the place. You got house stuff, mow the lawn, clean the house, do this, do that. And the list goes on and on. Yeah. And those are things that, you know, as a, as a leader, you don't, you don't really factor in sometimes, right? Cause you, you're worried about running the business. Yeah. And then I'm convinced that when you wake up in the morning, the battle begins, right? Before you even grab your, fu- your favorite cup of Joe. Yeah. I almost said something bad. There, I know. I? <laughs> favorite cup favorite. of Joe. I was saying favorite. Um, you know, really anxiety can take over. Yep. And the amount of pressure that we put on ourselves is unbelievable. And in reality, what's happening is the stress that, that, that we create is, is taking our joy away and it's slowly deteriorating our health. And so it's a, it's really a big issue and, and sometimes often overlooked. Yeah. Cause we don't take the time to slow down and actually slowing down a lot of times can really propel you into a different mode of like thinking, brainstorming and uh, really into more success. We just keep thinking like, if we just keep going, if we just keep going, we'll get there. Right. And so, I mean, I was this person. And so that's why when I, when I wrote the blog about time management or the mind shift within time, it was because I was actually dealing with this problem. Um, and I know a thousand people like me that deal with this problem. Yeah. So I really set out to find a different way. You know, how can I do this? And um, knowing that, you know, I'm, I'm a leader in a company, I'm a father, I'm a husband, uh, I'm a friend to a couple people, you know. That, Handful. All you need is one good friend in life, I'm convinced. Yeah, so really I set out for this. And the reason why I'm sharing it today is because what, what I have done personally has really helped me. And even though the way I do things may not fit what everyone else can do, um, the golden ticket to all this is I needed me time. Sounds selfish. Yes. Self-care. Yeah, I needed me time. And what I mean by that is I needed me time to be able to renew my mind and then be ready to take on life challenges and to serve others. And when I'm talking about life challenges, you know, every day is different, right? Yeah. You're not really sure what's going to happen that day. But if I wasn't, if I didn't take time for me, I found that I couldn't be ready to help other people. And that's the business that we're in. And so I set out to find a different way. So now instead of managing my time, I choose to invest my time that I have every day. And so I have called that me Inc. You like that title? Me Inc. Me Inc. Like Monsters Inc., but Michael Inc. Yeah, me yeah. Inc. I like thinking about time as an investment. That definitely is a different way to think about it. Well, you know, like earlier, we defined what time management was, right? So it's high achievers managing their time well, right? You know, basically yeah. making lists or, or whatnot. At least that's how Google defines it. Making lists? Well, you know, they say high achievers. They know how to effectively manage their time. Yeah. So I define it a little bit different. You want to hear my definition? Yeah, I do. I say high achievers invest their time in what matters. And they have specific routines in their discipline. Okay. 
So that's totally different. You can, you can say you're going to manage your time. You can make all the lists in the world you want to make. But if you don't invest your time in what matters, you don't have a specific routine. And if you're not disciplined, you'll never effectively manage time. So what is the routine that you find works for you? So I get up every morning at five o'clock, no matter what, even Saturdays and Sundays, I'm up at five o'clock. Uh, I got an internal alarm now. I don't even have to set my, my phone. Do people even use alarm clocks anymore? They just use a phone, right? Uh, yeah. Use your phone for everything. Yep. And so what's interesting about my routine is I'm up at five and then from five 30 for about 30 minutes, my wife and I will watch a sermon. We just go on YouTube. Now, why do we do this? Well, it, it renews my mind. And it allows me to build my marriage because my wife's right there next to me. We're drinking our coffee. We're taking it slow. And we're starting out with, you know, good message. Okay. So we like it. And it also helps me prepare to serve others. So right in, right in that 30-minute time frame, I've done three things already. Had coffee. Hung out with your wife, watched a sermon. That's four things. I renew my mind. Oh, okay. Build my marriage, serve others, coffee. Yeah. I didn't I didn't say coffee. It matters. I should say that to you because you're a coffee person. Mm-hmm. And then by 545, I'm in the gym. Now, I know looking at me, you may not think I go to the gym, but I do. It's in the garage. Got everything there. I put different stickers on the weights. So if it's so really it like a... So it looks like more? If it's really a 25-pound plate, I... I put a 45 pound sticker on it. Nice. Yeah. Just for mental. Yeah. It's for my mental well being. Yeah. And so my wife thinks I'm strong. <laughs> uh, but no, that, that builds my health, right? That mm-hmm. keeps me healthy. gives me the energy, gives me the strength. And then at seven o'clock I'll watch the news. Now, when I say I watch the news, I'm talking just 15 minutes, high overview of what's going on in the world. Enough to know what's going on, but not enough to have the onset of depression. Correct. I'm trying to get rid of that. Yeah. You know? Um, and then at 7.15, I actually go outside. And then I have just some quiet time where I'll read some scripture or whatnot. And I like that. That helps me kind of get my spiritual uplifting. Get, and that's where I gain my wisdom. There's a lot of wisdom to be gained there. And then at 7.30, that's when I go in the shower. Not that you really want to know that part, but that's part of my routine. You ask me, I'm telling you. Okay. And then at 8 o'clock, I... Uh, you know, you always got to work on professional growth. I mean, that's an area I think that throughout the day, that would be the one thing that you probably wouldn't do because you're so busy. But I think it's critically important, especially as leaders, mm-hmm. continuing to learn and get better at what we do. Because you never perfect. It's like batting practice. Like if the professional baseball players every day go to batting practice, even if they have the best average in baseball, they still got to practice. And so I look at that in terms of professional growth. So what do you do for professional growth? This is 30 minutes I see on your schedule. What is it that you use to gain professional knowledge or stay abreast of all these things? Well, I can't read. So I use Audible. Okay. I, I do love Audible because I'm, at, I'm in the middle of a book right now. But is that what you do? You listen to books? I do. So I have a notepad and I just... I skip around books. I have a lot of different books, some business books, some leadership books, um, just all kinds of books. But what I found is when I'm listening to it, my mind continues to think. And so as I'm looking at challenges in the business, 
uh, or, or with customers, I'm just taking notes because you can learn a lot mm-hmm. right, from di- different people's perspective. And I have found that it, it helps me, you know, be a better leader and grow the organization. So really most of everything I always tell people is like, I've over, I usually steal people's information from these books, right? And that, that's why they're designed there, right? Yeah. It's not stealing information. It's learning from somebody. Be- as long a, as you don't plagiarize it. That's a better word. And take it as your own. Yeah. And then the last thing we do, or I do, is we do have dinner as a family. So I've got three girls. They're involved in everything, right? And the older they get, especially when they start driving, they never want to be home. They don't wake up till one in the summertime. In the afternoon. Yeah. So, but but family time's important. And so that's yeah. that's kind of, that's where I find the love within the family. So when you really look at it from basically five to eight 30, my schedule and I, and I love the schedule. It's perfectly de- designed for me, but it allows me to renew my mind, strengthen my marriage, stay healthy, right? Which is important. I'm up to date on current events. I gain my wisdom. I gain my professional growth. And at the end of the day, I finish it with family. Yeah. I think that's a really great recommendation. Well, I just think it's important that, you know, as we, you know, we have a staffing crisis still. A lot of companies are struggling with that. Yes. And, um, you know, even though I call it me Inc. And originally you could say, well, that's pretty selfish, right? Just spending time with themselves. Um, <laughs> as long as you're like good company for yourself. Yeah. It just allows me to actually be ready for the day. And I found the days that if something got in the way of me not accomplishing that, the day didn't go like, like they normally go. Yeah. It didn't start off right. Got off on the wrong side of the bed, so to speak. Yeah. So, I mean, in recapping time management, cause I know we got other topics, I would say, look at time as protection and look at it as an investment. Don't try to manage it because it's hard. It's, I think it's impossible to manage. Yeah. Create a routine that's very specific and be disciplined with it. And then be able to train others. Because again, one of the things that I, I think most employees that if they ever leave an organization, it's not really they didn't like what they did, even though that could be some of it. Mm-hmm. It's they struggle with how do they get everything done? Because again, we put a lot of stress on ourselves. So the results have been awesome for me and the, uh, the transformation has been pretty much unreal. So that's great. And so, I think there, you know, there are different ways to look at it. If your day doesn't start as early Um, If you're more naturally inclined to plan afternoons or whatever, like I think it's just worth looking at how you invest your time and if your priorities align with your time investment. Yeah, totally agree. All right. Next topic I'm kind of excited about because it's us. It's what we do. (laughs) It's what we do. You know, hey, so, you know, how do you find the right coding company? You know, there's a lot of great companies out there. Yes, there are. And, and so I want to talk about how never to make a decision on price alone. Okay. And the steps to finding the right partnership. And this can be applied a little more universally than just coding, but. Absolutely. Be applied to almost anything that you're purchasing, right? Because uh-huh. we're all consumers. Yep. And let's, let's be honest. I mean, price does matter. Yeah, for right? sure. And we can all agree that price without value equals nothing. That's, I always tell people that. Yes. Do you agree with that? 
Yeah, absolutely. You have to look at the value of something. If, if there's no value in it, there's no use spending your money for one thing, especially right now with inflation, with the cost of everything, gas, groceries, all the things going up, people at an agency level, people at a personal level, when you're, but you know, doing a family budget, you are dealing with price versus value. Yeah, I don't even buy bacon anymore. It's too expensive. We eat a lot of bacon around here. But as consumers, what we're really in the pursuit of is value that fits the price. Yes. So if we use an example of two companies, company A and company B, let's keep it simple. Okay. And if one company is charging $10 for a review, the other company is charging 5 from price alone, we can all agree that we'd probably choose company B, right? Right. Just based on the price. Because the price is better. Yep. Now you want to add the value portion of it in, right? So now you say, okay, company A charges $10. However, you see greater reimbursement, better outcomes, greater value, right? Yes. Company B charges five, but you don't see as great a value in the services they provide. Now what company you choosing? Well, for sure. The sec- the one that provides the value because there's greater return to me. That's right. So in, in essence, competition is a good thing to be able to go out, look at the market and say, okay, which company out there has the best value for the price versus just price alone. And you can't read and then believe everything you hear and read, right? Right. Like, oh gosh, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago. I read an article. Um, it, was, it was from a, a company that does coding services. Okay. And they stated in their article that equating higher cost to quality and compliance is a fallacy. Now, I totally disagree with that statement. Talent and technology does cost money. Right. We all know this because we're responsible for finding talent. So a better question that somebody could ask is, why is your price so low? Boy, that'd throw the salesperson off, wouldn't it? (laughs) Right. You'd be like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Should I raise my prices? What you talking about, Willis? (laughs) But, um, Talent and experience, it does matter. Absolutely, it does. And I think when the question that's usually not asked is because people want to say, okay, what's the price? And then, but they never ask, okay, why is somebody so low? Or why is your price lower than everybody else's? I, I think that's a great question to ask. It is, rather than just saying, that's the lowest price, that's the one I'm going to go with, asking how they're able to create a price point. That's so low. What's missing? What are they not getting maybe? And and I'm not saying that that's necessarily the case. There could be a logical reason. But asking those questions and digging in is really important. Yeah, and then assuming, you know, once the uh, salesperson gains his composure again. <laughs> yes. Right? I mean, you know, if a company is offering a price below standard, below market standard, you know, one could wonder, okay, what type of employees are they hiring? Um. Or am I getting the same level of service? Because I have found that in this business, what one may call Oasis Review can mean different than what another company calls Oasis Review. Like, what are they really reviewing? Are they reviewing everything? Are they just reviewing certain things? So you can't go by definition alone. You got to really say, okay, am I getting apples to apples? Mm-hmm. And then who's really completing the chart? Like, who's doing the work is always something that you want to know, right? Because at the end of the day, it's kind of like a, you ever been to a small restaurant? Yes. You're in, and have you ever called them like holes in the wall? Yes. And, and you're not knocking them. 
Because like. No, actually some. Uh, so when Jeff and I, my husband started dating, he kind of, he was like, I'm going to take you to this restaurant. Don't judge by what it looks like. It's a hole in the wall, but it's, it's fantastic. And you know, we had just started dating. So he didn't want me to think that he was taking me to some terrible place or like wasn't spending good money or whatever, trying to impress me. Right. And I was like, okay. And it was one of the best restaurants. And yeah. we went there a ton more times, yeah. you know, during our, during our dating experience, but it was a hole in the wall. Definitely. Like you drove up and you were like, uh, but the food was so good. <laughs> uh, but they've mastered their craft, right? And the food is delicious. Yeah. And so it's the, the experience is top notch. The food's amazing. And the service is first class. And so that's what I call price with value. Yep. And that's something we'd all pay for, right? Yeah. For the experience and the results and just getting to eat a good meal. Yeah. So going back to that article, when they talk about, you know, quality and compliance, I, I tend to believe that when people are looking to outsource coding services, they're, that's the first two things they're looking for is quality and compliance. Now, the third thing is data. 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 Yeah. Data. The either or, it's fine. All right. But, um, How do you, yeah, what do you, you want me to say, data or data? <laughs> I like data. All right, data. If you outsource coding, though, you need to know the data behind the trends, like where training may be necessary as an agency, and you can drill down to even a clinical, very specific level, right, to the clinician level for what training needs you have within an agency. Right, because documentation is like the, is critical. Yes. Right, it's the, to the success of the patient, right, the patient treatment. And then the patient experience really defines the brand of the agency in that marketplace and can help set them apart from the competition. So putting it all together here, how do you find the right company? Well, first of all, there are several great companies out there. Okay. Regardless of their size. Yes. There's a lot of great companies out there. I mean, we like to think we're the best, but we acknowledge that there are other great companies out there. Yeah. And the truth is too, that competition's best reviewers are other companies' best recruits. Ooh, that's painful to say, but it's true. It is true. And so next time, if, if anybody is in the market for coding services, I got some ideas. All right. Let's hear them. Tips. Right. Number one, do your research. Yeah. Right. Use the Google. Yes. But my number one thing that everybody should do is always use the gut check. Yes, because we all know the gut check is usually right. Always. You can't, can't go wrong with gut. The second thing is you got to call some references. Now, I will tell everybody on this call or listening that no one's going to give you a reference that didn't like their service. Right. They're not going to send you somebody that they didn't offer great service to or somebody who's not going to give them a good recommendation. That would be silly. Right. But they still want to talk to some customers. Right. And that makes sense. So it allows you to talk to them, allows you to ask questions and allows you to get a feel for, hey, what is their experience with this particular uh, vendor? I hate saying the word vendor, but in this situation. Partnership relationship. Yeah. yeah and I would encourage people to ask very specific questions. So it's not just, hey, give me a review of this company, but know some things that are really important to you and ask that company if they've had experience with whatever it is, whatever your challenges are, and see if they can give you specific processes or ideas that they worked with. Absolutely. And then, of course, you you know, we're, we live in a day and age where you can 
stalk people social media wise? Right? Social media, LinkedIn. I mean, Google, yes, but also their website. If they're on Facebook, you can you can find a lot. You can. Um, you know, and it's always nice if they're part of state associations or a national association because associations do great work. And being part of those, they're committed to what's going on, you know, in your particular area. So I think that's important. And the last thing is, is we call it the comparison trial. So by definition, basically, it's like you give uh, the person you're interested in possibly partnering with. You allow them to look at, look at some charts that have already been reviewed. And then they compare that those results with their results. Yeah. Now in that, though, you, you have to be cautious there too, uh, to some degree, because um, when you do a comparison trial, normally you, you could have a different person doing that than, than who's going to do the charts. Than who would regularly be on your account if you signed with the agency. That's yeah. correct. Um, but I still think it's, it's good to do. And most companies will do those. Um, some will mm-hmm. charge you, some will charge you and then credit your account if you choose to go with them. And then some will do it for free. Um, so, you know, it's a good question to ask is, Hey, are you willing to do a comparison trial? Tell me a little bit about what that looks like. But I think if you use your gut and always go back to your gut, you get references, you stock them on social media, mm-hmm. you see if they're part of the state or national association, and then the comparison trial. When you do that, I, I think you could come up with a really good um, uh, decision-making process. Yeah. And, and I would tie that last part back to the value comments that we made earlier, because if you're only doing a comparison trial, maybe you're choosing several different companies, vendors, partners, whatever you want to call them to do a comparison trial. Um, you don't always just want to go with the one who can get you the most money because accuracy, quality, compliance, we already talked about this. I know I just want to point it out here that it's not always about the money because if you don't have accuracy and you end up having to pay some of that money back, you're in a pickle. That's right. And you know, this industry is full of great people and yep. great, great companies. Um, it's probably the best industry I've ever been in. I mean, everybody through my eight to 10 years of being in this field, I've been in healthcare for almost, gosh, almost 25. Oh, right. Can't tell cause I do Botox, but that's how long I've been in the business and working out at the gym every day. Yeah, that's right. Um, everybody truly wants to help. Yeah. So, so the goal is to find the right fit for you and the right just some ideas there. If you're looking out to outsource coding, what you can do and what you can look for and what questions you can ask. So, uh, I think that's great. If you're looking, it's a great and great advice. Yeah. I mean, if you want to take it, take it. If you don't, that's okay too. I'm just advising. You don't have to take it. Yeah. Well, okay. Last topic we want to talk about is really what it all comes down to controlling your collections. You can't collect on it. You're not going to have a sustainable business. That's right. So we're going to talk about, I got some stats from interviewing uh, a bunch of agency owners. Okay. I want to review four steps to uncover what I call the invisible truth to your billing. And then how and where do you go or how do you, how where do you go to, to start regaining control of your collections? Okay. So based on all of the agencies that you interviewed, and I, I know you talked to a lot of agencies, you're always talking to these agency owners. So what exactly did you find? Well, I found a lot. So of all, everyone I talked to, of all, is that a word? Mm -hmm. Of all? Okay. It's two words. 63% of agencies are not satisfied with their current collections. I mean, that's not surprising. Who is? 
Well, uh, I guess maybe what, 37%? Sure. <laughs> that even seems high to me, to be honest. With all of the changes in regulation, with you know dealing with everything from Medicare, commercial payers, all of that, to say that you're satisfied with current collections, to me that would mean you have written nothing off. Everything's flowing appropriately through your EHR, EMR, and your clearinghouse. That would make me totally satisfied. So 37%, I feel like that's high. But go on. All right. 42% of agencies do not have a backup plan if they have an internal biller. Mm. Got to have a backup plan. That hurts because I feel like through COVID, like if we've learned anything over this last couple years of uncertainty with staffing, it's have a backup plan for your backup plan when it comes to billing. Yeah, but you know, there's two, there's, there's several more, I won't read them all, but the other two that I think was really eye-opening for me is that 55% of agencies have DSO, daily sales outstanding, so the time it takes from when they see a patient to get paid, uh, of 75 days or older. Wow, so that's quite, I mean, that's a long time later to be getting money into your account for paying staff, whatever, right, you have to pay vendors supplies, staffing, clinical staff, administrative staff, like that is definitely impacting a budget. Yeah. Which kind of ties into the last percentage is that 78% of agencies are concerned with cash flow. That yes, I, I'm not surprised. And if I, if I would have done this last month, I think that number would be higher because of gas prices and inflation. Right. This was, it's not super dated, but it's not within the last two months. And so, yeah, based on gas prices increasing, I would say these are even higher. So if you want to uncover, if you're an agency and you really want to uncover the invisible truth about your billing, I got four steps for you. All right. Number one. Numero uno. Get your team in a room. No laptops, no cell phones. Anyone and everyone that plays a role from intake to payments needs to be in that room. Step two, what is the data telling you? Or data, sorry, data. No BS in the step. I mean, you got to, no excuses, no blame. You know, this is what, you know, I'd say, hey, let's all take ownership of this. And everyone must be committed to the truth and own their part as to the why. Because the truth will set you free. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, yeah. That was in a movie, wasn't it? The truth will set you free. I think it was uh I think it's called the Bible. Well, no, it was a movie with uh, Jim Carrey. Oh, yeah. yeah, the liar, liar. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, but but that that's an important step. And the third step, you got to connect the dots. Everyone within the agency plays an important role, right, from intake to collections. So, so in that role, right, that's how you get paid. So everyone's got to do their role. Make sure that the team knows what part they play. And the timeline they're supposed to execute it in. Everyone's got to take on that role, know that timeline, execute that timeline. And then the fourth step, most important thing, is you've got to create a plan and you got to monitor the KPIs. Week by week. Are we improving in, the, in these specific areas? So now the question is, you've done that. Now, how do you regain control? All right, so here's the common problems I see across, across the entire spectrum. Number one, it's, it's in payer setup or is, I mean, these aren't in any particular order, but payer setup and rate updates. Okay. So, so payer setup and, and rate 
rate updates, right? So who is setting up your payers? When the last time, when is the last time that they've updated those rates? And when was the last time you negotiated your reimbursement with a particular payer? Contracts. Good questions asked. Intake. Are they trained at every piece of information that is needed in that authorization and eligibility? And they, they gaining all that information in at the very beginning because everything starts at intake. Yeah, we say that all the time, but it's really so true. Every little piece of information you have to have for eligibility, for authorizations, it's got to be got to be gotten. Got to get it. Got to get, get her done. Um, and then knowing when a claim is ready to be built, to be built, right? So, you know, your clinical team, financial team, they must be in sync. That was a boy band back in the day. That was a boy in band. sync. Yeah, that was in sync. Yeah. Is that what I said? In sync? Yeah. In sync. <laughs> yeah. I say that. Yeah. That is a band. <laughs> but those two departments really have to come together so that no claim can go unbilled. Absolutely. You can't give away free service. No. And then you got your gateway set up. So whoever you use as your clearinghouse. Right. Clearinghouse and gateway mean the same thing. Right. Do you have transparency to those claims? Can you see everything that's going on within that claim? Are you tracking those claims? Are they being sent electronically? Are they coming back electronically? You know, the remit. And if a pair cannot be set up, does everybody within the team have access to that portal? I think it's very important. Yes. And if you're still sending paper claims... It's worth investigating to see if that payer has an electronic option. Uh, chances are they do. Yes. Chances are they do. And then you want to track your denials and rejections. You want to get the trend. Why is that happening? We always say that if it happens twice, it's a trend. But you should always be working your your uh, rejections. I was, was going to say uh, de- dejections. Dejections. Your rejections. <laughs> Rejection denials. Monitor your claims. So... What's the process for following up claim for following up on claims that that don't go to the rejector to denial? Because this can really create a massive financial strain on an agency to have to deal with denials and claims. And then the other thing uh, with respect to this is the EFT payments. Like if if you also are getting remits, but then you're waiting on a paper check, you're adding time to that cycle of payment. So if they have an EFT option. Make sure that you've looked into that and set that up with your bank. Yeah. The easiest way to do this, to regain control is make a list of all your payers, have these check boxes, go through each specific one and say, okay, how are we doing here? Mm-hmm. And then it comes to the posting. Make sure you're posting every day. Yep. Right. I mean, that's, that's how you paid. You want to, you want to see that you're getting paid. Um, after all, you worked so hard up to this point, right? You've got the patient, you went through all these steps. Yeah. You've already put all the work in. So just make sure you're posting your your claims correctly and then looking through that AR to see if there is anything to monitor trends to see if there are reasons. I mean, if your system is duplicating claims or there's something that is consistently happening, we always say if it happens twice, it's a trend, right? So if you're seeing trends to go back and fix them at the root. Yeah. So after all that though, if you go back to the gut, if you still don't feel comfortable, that might be a sign that you need to start looking at outsourcing. Okay. And so I think it's time at that point where you've done all the steps and you're saying to yourself, okay, we've got a lot to, we got a lot to do here. Again, there's a lot of companies out there that can help. Right. You just have to find the one that best fits your specific needs. 
and not all vendors are created equal, equal, but I promise you there is one out there that will be a good fit for you. But don't, you know, don't get ahead of yourself. Take your time in finding the right one uh, because the last thing you want to do is jump into a go live without doing an adequate implementation and getting to know that. 100% accurate. So, but really this could be one of the most important decisions that you make for your agency. Yeah. So I would say, you know, if you're, if you're having, you're having some collection troubles, the statistics show us that a lot of agencies are struggling here. Follow these steps and get your team on board. And at the end of the day, if you still need help, you know, start doing some research and get, get, get that help because you got to get paid for, for the services you're providing. Yes. So I think today we talked about some really great things. We covered a lot, actually, from everything from time management or time investment with leadership to coding and billing. Yeah, we did good. That's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of territory. Um, in a, Next month, we get these out usually once a month. We are going to be talking about advanced directives. And I am really excited about this topic because it's not a topic that a lot of people are comfortable talking about necessarily, but it's a really important topic to cover. And if you're one of those people who maybe find it uncomfortable, we're going to give it some examples, especially for clinical staff, for how to have really meaningful conversations about end-of-life decisions. I'm excited about that one. Me too. I always say, like, you want to make sure you're ready to meet Jesus, but you want to make sure that the people you leave behind are, are going to be okay without you. Absolutely. So, Well, we appreciate y'all joining uh, this month's um, Home Health Reveal podcast. Until next time, have a great, uh, have a great summer. Summer.